book of Deuteronomy this morning, chapter 32. Uh, there is a sporting event taking place in our nation tonight. Um, over the last few years, um, I have preached in coordination with that a little bit, just kind of observing some of the spiritual principles that are attached to uh, the sporting uh, the sporting uh, reality, some of the sporting principles. You, there are spiritual principles. Paul pointed them out. Talking about running a race and being a strong man. And, um, and so I have been asked by an unusually large amount of people <laughs> what I'll be preaching this morning. I said, oh, come on. I just can't help myself. From Deuteronomy chapter 32... The Lord has something he wants to share with us because we're getting ready to experience something we've never experienced before. Verse 9, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. That's who you are, the apple of God's eye. As an eagle stirred up her nest. Fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. I'm just going to read that again because that's, As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. And my message to you this morning, by the help and the anointing of God, is simply this, the patriot's prowess or the wings of an eagle. The patriot's prowess or the wings of an eagle. Can we lift up our voices to God this morning? Hallelujah, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My heart sings of your grace. My soul doth magnify the Lord who has done great things, whose mercy endures forever. We lift you high and magnify your name. Lord, I pray for an anointing of the Holy Ghost. Something that we cannot accomplish on our own, but rely upon you, O God, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I've been preaching about the teams in the Super Bowl for... A few years now, and uh, and I've I've kind of been hoping, you know, that one day the Saints will make it into the Super Bowl. <laughs> we would have a Holy Ghost revival if the Saints would just make it into the Super Bowl. The only thing is that they're in the NFC, so they might end up playing the Bengals and folks. I don't know what we would do if the saints and the Bengals. We just have to pray that the Holy Ghost just moves and, and we have one of those services where there's no preaching or something. <laughs> but I'm, I've, I've been, you know, there are some spiritual parallels to these principles of sport, to the principles of, of, of unity, to the principles of victory and, and overcoming obstacles and and so it's it's impossible to ignore these that's why the scripture didn't ignore them they they actually did in fact reference them in connection to how the child of God is to overcome how the child of God is to to gain victory and so so that's that's, that's something that's very beautiful and uh, and yet here we are uh, and it seems over and over again the Patriots keep making it into the Super Bowl now I thought that we'd be, this would be a part of our past. That we could put all of this under the blood. Wouldn't have to worry about the Patriots anymore. See, I, as you know, I'm from Indianapolis. And 
So I'm a, I, I grew up kind of wishing Peyton Manning could beat the Patriots, and he did a couple of times, and then he didn't several times. And so the, it's not easy for me. It's not easy for me to preach about the Patriots because of the fact that when you talk about a Patriot, you're talking about a, an inhabitant of the Father's land. When you talk about an inhabitant of the Father's land in the Scriptures, that's referring to only one group of people. And that's the children of Israel. So in this, in this sport correlation, the patriots always end up becoming the children of Israel. Which means they can't be beat. You see this vicious cycle I'm in, folks? Y'all need to pray for me because I'm going to try to deliver this word this morning. And, I, and I'm having to wrestle with this because I'm wanting them to get beat. But then before they even get a chance to get on the field, I'm up here declaring the Patriots' victory. They keep winning. And I feel responsible. I'm going to get a text from Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner. Pastor Urshan, we need you to stop declaring victory for the Patriots on and I'm, and I'm just, I'm just concerned. I, you know, it's, they just seem to continue to win. Again, I, I, I was really hoping that the Saints would make it into the Super Bowl. You know, the Saints, of course, you pre- get, there's a lot of directions you could go with preaching the Saints. And, uh, you know, the quarterback's name is Drew Brees. It would have been a breeze to preach about the Saints in the Super Bowl. You get into the wind, you know, the wind blows where it listeth, thou hearest the sound there. And we could have a Holy Ghost time, folks. I might just preach that anyway. I might do. Let's turn to the book of, no, I'm, I'm going to talk about the Patriots. The Patriots are just, they just keep winning. And, and uh, the, you know, I thought the Saints were going to make it. They, uh, they actually were up. They were up by, uh, they were up by a good margin. And it looked as if they were going to win. They had 12 seconds left in the game. They were, it was done. It was finished. It was over. They were going to win that game. And then the Minnesota Vikings threw a pass to Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs rose up to catch the pass. Inexplicably, two saints collided with one another. And Stephon Diggs ran like a 50-yard touchdown into the end zone. And the Vikings won as time was expiring. And, um, and I thought, you know, and then I, I didn't know what that meant. I thought, Lord, how did the Saints not win? But then Stephon Diggs gave his post-game interview, and he wept as he gave glory to God. I said, well, I guess I know who the real saint is. See, you can't just be a saint in name only. You can't just be a saint in name only. You've got to give him the praise. So here we are once again with our beloved New England Patriots. Trying to figure out what in the world this means. The first time that the Patriots entered our sermon, it was when they played the Giants. And so we talked about the Patriots... Defeating the giants. Because the children of Israel, the inhabitants of the Father's land, walking to the promised land, came away saying, we be as grasshoppers. And they are as giants. And and so we talked about how patriots can overcome giants. And the patriots lost to the giants. Now it would be interesting, now it would be real interesting if 40 years from that date, the patriots defeated the giants. Now then, folks, now that's... A different story. But that, the Patriots lost to the Giants, just like the children of Israel would not go into the promised land at first because they were afraid of the Giants. The next time the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, they were playing the Seahawks. I, I, I honestly thought there's no way they could beat the Seahawks because the Seahawks have this impeccable defense. They have this amazing a juggernaut of a team. And and, and, then, and then the Patriots intercepted the ball in the end zone when Russell Wilson threw it when he should have handed it off. And the Patriots, how do they do that? 
they won again against the, uh, against the Seahawks. And we talked about how that when the Patriots got into the promised land, they had a new enemy. They weren't fighting giants. They overcame the giants. Now they're in the promised land and they're dealing with Seahawks. And you know there's no such thing as a Seahawk. There's actually no such thing as a Seahawk. It is a made-up word. The, the, the little emblem on the football helmet is an osprey. And, and that is what they call a Seahawk. But there's actually not such a thing as a Seahawk. So the Seattle Seahawks just made up a, a word and made that their team. But they put the image of an osprey. And the osprey is a bird strictly forbidden in the scriptures for the children of Israel to eat. So the Israel, children of Israel's battle was the giant. But once they overcame the giant, they had a new battle. And it was what they should not engage in, what they should not indulge in, what they should not take, that the world is fine taking part in, but they should not take part in it. And then, of course, they just kept winning. And then last year, they played the Falcons. And finally, I just threw my hands up and I said, you know what, I don't think anybody can beat them. They're going to play the Falcons. And I, I talked about Patriots win. That's what they do. They win. Whether you're talking about the children of Israel, whether you're talking about, evidently, Belichick and Brady, they just seem to simply win the contest, and, and they were down 28 to 3. And, and, I, and, then, and then they came back. And they, it was the only Super Bowl ever to go into overtime. But the Patriots put it into overtime and won that game. And I'm just throwing my notes up in the air like, I'm, just, I'm done. I'm done. But I think I found somebody that can beat the Patriots. I think we done found a somebody that, that has an edge on the Patriots. Because the, the Patriots aren't playing the Giants. They're not playing the Seahawks. They're not playing the Falcons. They're playing the Eagles. Now, now folks, again, and I try to put this disclaimer out there every year. Uh, I, we've got quite a record, actually. We, 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 we're about five and one. Five predictions were the way it turned out and one the very first one was not as it turned out so and I try to make this disclaimer if this if this doesn't happen the way I'm talking about it happening then it was just some some sports prediction just don't even pay any attention to it but if it comes to pass <laughs> I think we all know that there was a word of prophecy I don't know. I honestly don't, I don't know who's going to win the game tonight. That's not what I'm interested in. That's not what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is who's going to win the crown of life. What I'm concerned about is who's going to go all the way with the Lord. What I'm concerned about is who's going to overcome. Hallelujah. Who it is. Because you know what? You know what? The battle isn't given to the strong. And the, the race isn't given to the swift. And, and, and a strong man may glory in his strength, but we glory in the Lord. We glory in the Lord. And so, so the children of Israel, it, it, I felt responsible because I kept putting the patriots in line with the children of Israel. Well, they're never going to lose if they're the children of Israel. They've got the favor of God on them if, they keep, if they're the children of Israel. But the children of Israel did have, they did have this one problem that just continued to dog them. And yes, they overcame many adversaries. They overcame the, the uh, Hittites. They overcame the Amorites. They overcame the Moabites. They overcame the Midianites. They overcame the Edomites. They overcame the Ammonites. They overcame the Perizzites, not Parasites, Parasites. They overcame anybody that came their way, anybody that rose up against them. The Lord gave them his favor and said, I will go before you. I will conquer your enemies. I will subdue those before you who rise up against you. You shall come into these lands that I have given you and you shall subdue them and you shall conquer them and you shall overtake them because they belong to the people of God. And the people of God were attacked from every side, but God always gave them victory. It even happens today when they are attacked. The Lord gives them victory. This modern state of Israel has been under assault time after time after time. And God continues to raise up a standard against the enemy. 
God continues to be a bulwark all about them, a fortress all about them, a shelter, hallelujah, and a refuge all about them. And so, so they, they are protected by the Lord of glory. And yet there's this issue Israel has. And the issue is that, that every time they gain a victory, they usually are led by a deliverer, by somebody that the favor of God has settled on, who has a connection to God, a relationship to God. And they're led into that battle. They're led into that victory. But something very strange happens when that figure passes off the scene. Israel forgets who gave them the victory. Israel forgets that it was not by might and it was not by power, but that it was by the Spirit of the Lord that they received victory. They forget. They, 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 they begin to think that they had something to do with it. Or they look over into other nations and become envious of what other nations have. And, and see, Israel's got a, a unique situation from other nations. Very unique. Other nations worship gods that they call idols. They are idols. They're not actually gods. They are idols. They are connected to a spirit, an evil spirit. Idols are connected to an evil spirit. And they worship that idol. And these are idols that have eyes but cannot see. Ears but cannot hear. Mouths but cannot speak. But Israel, because they are fleshly and carnal, they would look at this and say, I want what other nations have. Because they had a God that nobody could see. Nobody could, could, could put their natural finger on. But he was God nonetheless. And so Israel always contended with themselves thinking, why do I have an invisible God. I want to have some kind of a God that I can lay my fleshly eyes upon. A kind of a God that I can, that I can point to and be proud of the way that it looks and somehow deck it with gold and deck it with silver and make it out of gold or make it out of silver or, or make it some kind, something I can be proud of. Be careful of what you want to be proud of. And so, so this is the way Israel, Israel was. And, and yet every time God would give them the victory. And let me say that again. Every time God would give them the victory. Because it was God who gave them the victory. I love what Deuteronomy 32, 9 through 12 says. He said in verse 12, the Lord alone did lead them. And there was no strange God with him. See, God does not share his glory with another. No flesh will glory in his presence. There is no God beside him. There is no God above him. He has no equal. He has no superior. He is not even a God in a three-God committee. He is God all by himself. Before he wanted Israel to know anything else. He wanted them to know, hear this, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. See, I want you to hear this when you're walking through the land of the Canaanites and you're seeing all of their gods that are silver and brass. I want you to remember that the Lord our God is one Lord. Hallelujah. When you're walking through the land of the Philistines and you see that Dagon fish God and you're walking through the lands of the heathen nations and they're worshiping this version of Baal and that version of Baal and this version of Baal and that version of Baal. You remember that the Lord, your God, he is one Lord. He doesn't need another God of the sea or another God of the sun or another God of the trees or another God of the birds. He doesn't need a fish God. He is the Lord of the hosts. He is the Lord of the hosts in the sea. He is the Lord of the hosts in the air. He is the Lord of the hosts of Israel. He is the Lord of hosts. And beside him there is no other God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There simply is no other God beside the Lord our God. And the Bible says that he is a jealous God. As a matter of fact, the Bible said he's so jealous that his name is jealousy. 
these folks who like to say, oh, he was a great teacher, along with so many others, but I wouldn't classify him as God. Then don't call him a great teacher. Because his teachings were, I, even I, am the Lord. They said, who is this Messiah? What would we look for when we look for him? He said, I am he. Listen to what this great teacher said. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And by the way, he that has seen me hath seen the Father. And by the way, I and my Father are one. I am the door to the sheepfold. So if you're not comfortable calling him God, don't call him a great teacher. His teachings were, come unto me. Uh, don't go unto Buddha. Don't go unto Hare Krishna. Don't go unto Confucius. Don't go unto Muhammad. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Israel, no, no, no. I'm not going to tolerate you giving somebody else the glory for what I did. I brought you out. I lifted you. I broke the chain. I unlocked the prison door. I lifted you up out of your bondage. I did it. Even I am the Lord. Somebody says, well, but, but, but he's God, so why would he care? Why would he care if somebody else gets the glory? Okay. Isn't that kind of petty of a God who owns the cattle on the 5,000? I've heard people say this. He didn't say he's envious. He said he's jealous. See, see, there's a difference. Envy is when you want something somebody else has. Jealousy is when you want somebody. And God wants us. And when he looks at us worshiping gods that don't heal, and worshiping gods that don't save, and worshiping gods that don't have the power, there's something that comes on him it is a jealousy it's not envy he didn't care he's not look he's not jealous of Baal's car he's jealous of your devotion to that idol he's jealous of your devotion to that thing that made you promises but didn't keep them you're looking for salvation and you're looking for salvation in places that can't offer salvation and God says oh no that's you belong to me you belong to me and so that's, he's a jealous God. And so, so Israel, but Israel had a problem with that. And there were, there were times, you know, when you, when you look at how Israel acted with God. Folks, if you ever question the long-suffering of God or the patience of God, look no further than, than his relationship with Israel. Because he had such patience with these people. Such long-suffering and continues to do so. And, and in fact, when he brought them out of Egypt, he, he broke the chains of slavery off of those people of Israel. And he walked into Egypt through Moses and Aaron, and he, he offered to Pharaoh some options and said, Pharaoh, you better take this because, because I'm going to come on you swiftly with judgment and with plagues if you don't let, and this is what he said, these are his words, if you don't let my firstborn son Israel go. And so, so, so Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Egypt tried to crack the whip, tried to keep Israel in slavery. It was an, an unbelievable process. There were so many plagues that were unleashed upon Egypt. Finally, the Lord took the firstborn of every house that did not have the blood of the lamb painted over the house and brought Israel out, the Bible says, with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm. Hallelujah. A mighty hand. But it's not just a mighty hand. It's a stretched out arm. He is mighty to save. His arm is not short. And his promise is not slack. His ear is not heavy. 
Hallelujah. And so he said to, to Israel, he brought them out of bondage. He brought them to the Red Sea. And when they looked at the Red Sea and didn't know whether they could cross the Red Sea and were ready to turn back for fear of being enslaved again under worse conditions, the Bible says that the Lord told Moses to, to, just, to just know that I will deliver you. And Moses looked at the children of Israel and said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He parted the waters of the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground and came up on the other side rejoicing. Now who did that? God did that. The Egyptian gods didn't do that. Baal didn't do that. Dagon didn't do that. Ashtoreth did not do that. Molech did not do that. Jehovah God, the one true living God of Israel, he brought them out. Would you believe that when Moses went up into the mountain and began to have a conversation with God for 40 days and 40 nights that the children of Israel grew so restless waiting for Moses to come back down from the mountain that they decided to take all the gold and all the silver that they had as spoils from Egypt. They decided to make it into a golden calf and worship that golden calf and say this these be the gods that brought us up see that's the problem with the patriots they get some kind of a victory something goes their way and they get boastful about it i think i found somebody that the patriots can't beat because the bible says god resisteth the proud and God giveth grace to the humble. Let me tell you somebody you can't beat. Now you might be able to overcome a lot of things. And you might be able to win in a lot of things. And if you're serving God, he'll give you victory. And he'll give you power. He'll give you overcoming power. But if you ever develop pride in your heart, then you've got an enemy on your hands you can't handle. And that enemy is the Lord. Notice what Exodus chapter 19 says. Moses, the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. You know who brought them out of Egypt? God on eagle's wings. You know who delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh? God on eagle's wings. You know who delivered them out of bondage? God on eagle's wings. You know who rescued them from starvation in the wilderness? God on eagle's wings. You know who delivered them from thirst and opened up a rock and caused water to flow out of that rock? God on eagle's wings. You know who sent quail when they asked for flesh? God on eagle's wings. You know who gave them victory over the Ammonites? God on eagle's wings. You know who gave them victory over the Moabites? God on eagle's wings. You know who gave them victory over the Canaanites and the Edomites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Philistines? God on eagle's wings. Lest you ever begin to think it was because of your prowess. Lest you ever begin to think it's because of your ability. Lest you ever begin to think it is because of your sound judgment. Your wise decisions. Your good common sense that your mom and dad gave you. No sir, no ma'am. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. Even that is the gift of God. I want to tell you what. 
We've got a pride problem. We've got a pride problem in our world. We've got a pride problem in society. We've got a pride problem in the church. We've got a pride problem in Pentecost. We think we did this. We think if we do that, then we have really accomplished something. Anything we do, it is by the goodness and the grace of our God. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, you might have overcome sin. You might have overcome temptation by the grace of God. You might have overcome sickness. You might have overcome sadness. There's a lot of things you might have overcome. But if you don't give God the glory, there's one group you're not going to overcome. There's one you will not have victory over. And that is the Lord himself. He said to Moses, he said, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. Hallelujah. He instructed him. Israel doesn't even know that. Israel's building golden calves, thinking somehow some coincidence. You know, there sure are a lot of coincidences. Not nearly as many as we think there are. To everything, there is a season. To everything, there is a time, every purpose under the heavens. And we know that all things work together for the good. All things work together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Let me tell you why I have, a, have, a, have an ability to, 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 to get out of bed this morning and put my feet on the floor. God did it on eagle's wings you know why i was able to move the rest of my body and get myself into a car and turn the ignition and look behind me and make sure nobody was coming and the optical nerves in my eyes perceived whether somebody was coming or not that wasn't me that was god on eagle's wings when i backed up out of the drive and i put it into drive and i started driving and i had sense for the cars around me and perception god on eagle's wings when I walked into this house, lifted up holy hands, and gave him praise, even that, God on eagle's wing. Even now, while I preach to you the unadulterated truth of God's word, this isn't me or my ability, this is God on eagle's wing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, he just, he was an eagle to them. He created the eagle so we could know what he was like, so we could know his nature. And so he told them, he said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers under his wings shalt thou trust his truth shall be thy shield and buckler he said I found him in a desert place in the waste land howling wilderness I led him about I instructed him he's the apple of my eye as an eagle stirreth up her nest as an eagle fluttereth over her young as an eagle spreadeth abroad her wings as an eagle taketh them, beareth them up on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead them. He did it. And there was no strange God with him. In the book of Revelation, we continue to see this interaction. See, this is a long time down the road. We've been reading about the eagle in the book of Exodus. That's at the beginning of the Bible. But now we're all the way down to the end of the Bible. A lot of time has passed between the book of Exodus and the book of Revelation. But in the book of Revelation chapter 12, we see this Israel. And the Bible says there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet. Upon her head a crown of 12 stars, she being with child cried, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered. There appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads. 
His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. She brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. But the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by whom? Of God. That they should feed to their 1,203 score days. Here we see Israel. There was war in heaven. Michael, his angels, fought against that dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil. Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. His angels were cast out with him. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child to the woman were given listen two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent what God is telling Israel is I was there to bring you out of Egypt with the wings of an eagle it wasn't your prowess it wasn't your ability it wasn't your skill it wasn't how good you are at whatever you're good at it was the wings of an eagle that brought you up out of bondage it was the wings of an eagle that gave you victory over every adversary it was the wings of an eagle that was a wall of fire about you it was the wings of an eagle hallelujah that watched over you and protected you and yes when that serpent and that dragon rises up it's going to be the wings of an eagle yes, sir. now they call Tom Brady the greatest of all time for short they call him the goat G-O-A-T the goat. Who's the goat? MJ or LeBron? That's the big question. Who's the goat? You don't have to answer that. I won't turn this into a major debate. But the question is always, who's the goat? Who's the greatest of all time? Who overcame more than anybody else? Conquered more than anybody else? Achieved more than anybody else? Well, we all know who that is, and it isn't Tom Brady. But when you start thinking you're the goat, you really do become a goat. The goat is a spiritual term. It's a scriptural term. The Lord said that he's going to come and divide the sheep from the goats. The Lord said, don't be like the goat that is stubborn, that butts up his head against everything, that believes he can do it all, that he's got it all figured out. He'll eat anything. He said, you are my people, the sheep of my pasture. We're not the goat. We're not the greatest of all time. We don't have it all figured out. We don't have everything in order as we need to have it in order. The sooner you're realizing that you're a sheep, the better off you are. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture that's why we're meek that's why we're mild that's why we're gentle that's why we're good you know why because God's got this he's got it all under control all I have to do is follow him follow him now the goat in me wants to figure it all out and wants to prove my what myself but I don't need to prove myself and we don't need to prove ourselves it is he that has done this. It is the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our sight. So we don't want to be a goat. You know what the Bible said we got to do with the goat? Sacrifice. Lay it on the altar. 
Now, I know there's a lot of Eagles fans, Pastor and Sister Metters from Philadelphia. They're hoping that they'll just lay the Patriots out, lay that goat out on the field, <laughs> sacrifice the goat. That's what you have to do with that goat part of you, that flesh part of you. That stubborn part of you, that rebellious part of you, that part of you that says, I've got this. I've heard people literally say, I don't need some imaginary deity. Yes, you do. You needed him to give you the breath to say that. I need him every second. I need him every minute. I need him every day. And I'm going to tell you something. We're getting ready to do something we've never done before. And let me, let me explain. It's not going to be by might. And it's not going to be by power. It's going to be by the spirit of the Lord of the hosts of Israel. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen of First Apostolic Church. We are getting ready to rise up and build a temple for the glory of God. And we're going to do it by the power and the might of Almighty God. And we're going to reach this city. I said we're going to reach this city. We're going to reach into the highways, into the byways, and compel them to come. You might as well get ready because the drug addicts are coming and God's going to break the addiction off their spirit. Hallelujah. You might as well get ready because every manner of false doctrine is going to come and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you something, it's not going to happen because we're going to have the greatest of all time singing, the greatest of all time preaching, the greatest of all time administration, the greatest of all time programs, the greatest of go, go, go. That's all go talk. What we need is the ego. We need the God. We need the God of Israel. We need prayer. We need fasting. We need worship. We need dedication to God. We're entering eagle territory. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Ah, now listen, I'm going to quote that again, but I want, you, I want you to understand something. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as an eagle. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And when we quote that scripture, we quote that scripture as an encouragement to keep on waiting and waiting and waiting. But God rose me up this morning to tell somebody that we're about to get up on those wings and we're about to fly. We're moving from waiting phase into get up on the wings of God and let's go to the highest of heavens. Let's go to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory. Hallelujah. He is with us. He is with us. Nothing can stand before us. The mountains stand before us. The weapons form against us. We believe you, Lord. We stand on your promises. You're doing greater things. Hallelujah. You know, God, God has a way of stripping the goat mentality from us. When we start thinking we did this, when we start thinking we have the power, God has this way. He just has this way of just chopping this off, chopping that off. Say, I got to do, I got to keep doing that until you realize I am the Lord. So here's Brady, the goat, winning everything, just stomping through the AFC playoffs like it's a breeze. 
Uh, Brady. And all of a sudden, he's got like this seven foot 18 tight end, Rob Gronkowski. Just standing above everybody, catching every pass. <laughs> People hanging on his ankles. Three, three defensive backs trying to stop him and Gronk. Just. But Gronkowski got injured. Got a concussion. Halftime, he's out. What are you going to do now, goat? God has a way of taking the gronk out of the game. Goat. What are you going to do? How are you going to win if you don't have gronk, goat? You know what Brady did? Brady threw the ball just about every time to Danny Amendola. 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 He knew what to do. That's how you spell his name. A-M-E-N-Dola. Let me tell you something, goat. You got it all figured out. You're the greatest of all time. You're better than anybody, better than everybody. You got it all figured out. You're just going to win, win, win. Falcons, Seahawks, Giants, doesn't matter. You're up against somebody you can't beat now. You're up against somebody you can't take down now. And when you're up the real, against the real greatest of all time, you better say one thing. Amen. 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 He'll take your gronk out of your game and you got one thing to say. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Lose your attitude. Lose your stubbornness. Lose your rebellion and defiance. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, First Apostolic Church, the promises of God are in Christ. Yay and amen. Now, I know it's funny, but I'm not kidding. Amen. You know what that means? So be it. I don't understand it, but so be it. I'm going to tell you, those are some of the greatest words that a child of God could ever utter. It doesn't make any sense to me, but so be it. I'm going to keep on walking. I'm going to keep on getting on those eagle's wings. Wait, wait. So be it. Wait. Amen. So be it. Wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. You shall mount up with wings as an eagle. You shall walk and not faint. You shall run and not be weary. It's getting ready to happen. Somebody say amen. amen. Say it again. Say amen. We're getting ready to reach this city like we've never reached this city. Somebody say amen. amen. We're getting ready by the grace of God to see the alcoholics delivered. Somebody say amen. amen. By the grace of God, we're going to see marriages put back together. Somebody say amen. amen. By the grace of God, we're going to see hundreds of thousands filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. amen. By the grace of God, we're going to see people get up out of wheelchairs. Somebody say amen. amen. By the grace of God, blind eyes are going to open. Deaf ears are going to unstop. Somebody say amen. Somebody that believes it, lift up your voice and give God the praise.
as God, as God is my witness, as God is my witness, and we're going to be talking about it again next week, the tree of life. That's who we are, folks, we're the tree of life. Started with a seed, rooted and grounded in love. We shall be like a tree. The branches have gone out. We're about to have the leaves of the tree of life for the healing of the nations. Bearing much fruit. But as God is my witness, when we build this edifice for the glory of our God, I don't want people walking into it and saying, wow, boy, they really have their act together. Away from it saying, wow, that music. Wow, even that preaching. Oh, wow. Boy, they are like a well-oiled machine. The administration. And God's going to anoint us in a way of administration that we've never known before. But I don't want people walking away glorifying anything we've done. But I want people flying out of here on eagle's wings. Flying too high to be able to look down on the ground and see who did what, who had what talent, who had what ability, who did this well, who did that well. Just give God the glory because anything you see in us that's good came from God. It came from God. I, I, I want people to come out of this place healed, set free, delivered, saved, saved, saved. If there's a witness right now, could you come down right now in the name of Jesus and say, that's my desire, that's my heart, that's my heart. I want to see it for the glory of God. You've been depending on your prowess too long. You've depended on your ability too long. You've depended on your abilities, your gifts. You've come to an empty place because you only have so much you can do. You want to win this contest? There's only one way to do it. It's not through your prowess. It's on the wings of an eagle. It's on the wings of an eagle. This one can't be without you. Oh, 